Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I know it's a weird time for a podcast to show up from yours truly, but show's a show. We don't care when they happen, right? We don't actually care when they happen, as I vainly try to pretend like I'm well-kempt. I'm not. I'm unkempt. Not kempt. This is a uh, large podcast because, as I've explained on some shows earlier this week, I'm going out of town starting first thing Friday morning, and I'll be back late on New Year's Day, or probably like late afternoon, early evening. So there will not be another show until Tuesday, meaning we've got to find a way to cover the Week in Review and setting our lineups for early next week all at one time, and that is not that simple. But damn it, that's what we're going to try to do on this podcast. So welcome, everybody, to Fantasy NBA Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation. You will likely hear the sound of children screaming in the background because that is my existence right now. Um... I'm in Los Angeles, meaning I can't afford to have enough space to separate myself from the noises of the universe. So just try your best to pretend that they're in the background on your side of the pod, even though we both know they're not. I am at Dan Bespris over on social. Please do take a moment to find me over there. Um, Ethos Fantasy BK is your Twitter news feed. The Discord link is in the show description. And, of course, Ethos20 is the promo code over at Manscaped.com. Big thank you to our friends at Manscaped for re-upping for another three months and basically completing the uh, 2023-2024 NBA season. Thank you to all of you guys for continuing to get stuff over there. Promo code, once again, Ethos20 to get 20% off and free shipping over at Manscaped.com. And I will repeat again... Please come find me over on social at Dan Vesperus. I know I'm not going to be doing as much while I'm on vacation this weekend, but anybody can attest that I spend entirely too much time on that idiotic website, and I will continue to do so because it's honestly the best way for me to get quick snippets of information to all of you guys, and then hopefully I can steer you all back to these podcasts to get a little bit of color on said information. For those uninitiated, our weekend review, we're going to go through the ads, the holds, the drops, the almost drops, the injury streamers, the watch list, the uh, new bucket I'm calling the stream while warm players. So let's just dive in because we've got a lot to cover, especially when you consider we're going to be looking a little bit at next week as well. We'll begin with the ads. That's everybody's favorite part. Ad number one is Gary Trent Jr. And I've talked a little bit on yesterday's show about how you know I'm making I'm not making any massive adjustments on the Gary Trent one, but him starting is notable. It's not a it's not a full ignore kind of thing. Uh because it means that to some degree mid twenties and minutes is kind of guaranteed. Now he's gonna start the first and third quarters. Guys will get tired and they almost have no choice but to put him back in at some point in the second and fourth. So now where some nights he might only see 20, 21 minutes off the bench. Now you're kind of looking at like 24 as almost the basement level as a starter. And in good on good nights, you might see him get up into the high 20s to low 30s, perhaps. I do have fears about how many shots he's going to get to take with these players around him, but I like the fact that they've inserted more scoring around Scotty Barnes, who they want to kind of be running a little bit of point, 
Dennis Schroeder now runs the bench unit, so Trent can be a part of, or frankly, just do the things that he's a little bit better at, which is shooting the basketball. Don't drop anybody that you like, but if you're sitting on, say, like an injury replacement that only has, you figure, one or two games in them, even if it's a pretty good one, um, you know, if you're, like, trying to play Zach Collins on the day when Wembenyama sits, you're probably better off going for someone like Gary Trent, who might have value as long as they leave this lineup together, which, I don't know, maybe it works for a while because they won their first game against a bad team, mind you, but it's always good to get a win, even if it's sort of a gimme. So Gary Trent, that's number one. This is not in any particular order, by the way. This is just in the order that I looked at teams, scrolling through all of them to make sure I didn't forget anybody. Aaron Neesmith is another ad. He was on this board last week. I'm keeping him there because the news of this week was that he got inserted into the starting lineup, and that's good. Again, it's the same kind of story. He played 34 minutes in the Pacers game on Thursday evening at 12 points, five boards, a steal, a couple blocks, and four three-pointers. He's getting as many minutes right now as he can handle, basically. Indiana loves the heart he plays with. Yes, there's a chance he might run out of gas because he plays so damn hard. Um, but as long as he's getting this kind of run, and while his role is expanding, and they like what he's brought, Indiana has won a couple of games since they put him into the starting lineup. Same story with Jalen Smith. We'll get to him in a little bit. He's on uh, a different board here. I think Neesmith is a guy that needs to be rostered in all formats. Brandon Pajemski is on the ads board, which, you know, th this one requires some explanation. Um, he was on the injury replacement board last time, so he was already a guy that I thought belonged on rosters. Basically, I wanted, in this show, say, this is a guy who might actually stick for the year, and it may have something to do with his energy level, if he can keep it up the whole season. It may have something to do with whether or not Andrew Wiggins can ever find a way to wake up over the course of this season. But right now, he's good enough to be better than an injury replacement. There's not a whole lot of explanation that's required on this one because he's putting up really robust fantasy lines. And it's, you know, it's hustle stats, but they're they're translating to boards, to assists, to steals, to blocks. Doesn't even matter whether he's scoring on a night-to-night -night basis. He's like doing Draymond stuff, but out of a guard position or kind of guard wingy, I guess. It feels like even when Draymond comes back, Pajemski's going to stick. I don't know this for sure, um, but it just seems like they're better when he's a part of what they're doing. Tara Eason, this is like the third or fourth week in review show in a row that I've had him on here because I still have people on the internet saying, Dan, do I... Uh, do I pick up Tari East? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's been that case for a while. Now, especially with Jabari Smith Jr. nursing an ankle injury and Dylan Brooks dealing with a core injury, there's just absolutely no reason why Tari East shouldn't... I mean, I guess the only reason is that he has a sore knee. But if this young dude can battle his way through a sore knee, and I pray to the good Lord that he can, his runway is colossal. So make sure he's on a roster. He's very good at rebounding. He's very good at steals from a power forward position. I love everything about this dude's fantasy game. We saw outlines of it last year, but with not really enough playing time or trust to get there. But Ime Udoka loves what Eason does on a basketball court. By the way, it, it does beg the question of what the hell Steven Silas was looking at. And I know that we've asked this question a thousand times, but what the hell was he looking at last year? 
if he's like preaching defense and he's got this guy who actually knows how to play some defense that he's not using, what the hell are we doing? Marcus Smart, he's been on this board a couple weeks in a row as a stash. Now we're actually getting to see him play, which is good. Um, there was no John Morant in Memphis's game in Denver, which meant that Memphis went back to not being competitive, and Marcus Smart was fine in it, but the inefficiencies are going to kill you when he's actually asked to go and um, t- like try to be an offensive cog as opposed to defensive role player, stalwart steals guy. I'm... I'm not convinced that Marcus Smart is going to be inside the top 120 in 9-cat. I do think that it's important to make sure he's on your team in case he is. Because, again, the number of guys out there on the waiver wire that have actually like been a top 80 fantasy player before is not all that high anymore. And Smart is one of them, and he's not super-duper old yet. So make sure he's on your roster while we see this thing through. They've ramped his minutes up quicker than expected, uh, but even still, I you know I, I think he's a guy who you, you'll see his, not necessarily that his role is going to grow, but his comfort level is going to grow, and that to me is where you might be able to make some headway. And then finally, Torian Prince, and I'll admit I'm recording this show, uh, well, it's live actually, so those of you that are watching with us, you know, we're doing this show before the Lakers game on Thursday night where the Lakers have, due to an injury to Cam Johnson, once again changed their starting lineup, and now Rui Hachimura is in there to replace Cam Reddish. Sorry, not Cam Johnson. Um, and Rui being in there might actually take shots away from Torian Prince, so I, you know we'll see how that shakes out. But when the Lakers are healthy, they're running this very weird cockamamie starting lineup where nobody has any offensive ability, and the the fact that Torian Prince is like the only guy on the team that can hit a three-pointer means that he's getting relatively consistent playing time and he's shooting a whole bunch of threes because he's playing alongside LeBron James, one of the best passers in in basketball history, uh, and Anthony Davis. And so he's basically going to be open all the time and he's constantly making two, three, four three-pointers a game with some steals. Obviously, that translates to some points, a couple of rebounds just because he's out there for so damn long. And so he belongs on rosters. Let's get to the holds. Next on the board, Dennis Schroeder. Not that anybody was going to drop him. Um, I do think there's a little bit of a fear that him coming off the bench, and, and it's not unfounded. Guys that shift to the bench typically don't do better, but some still do fine. And I think you got to at least kind of see how the Schroeder thing shakes itself out, if nothing else. Um, he's been trending down after a very hot start to the year. Dennis was number, I think, like he was inside the top 60 after the first two or three weeks. And then over the last month, he's number 156. Uh, seven assists is good, and the steals have been good, but most of the other stuff has been kind of clunky. And yes, I think there's actually a pretty good fear, at least for me, that he ends up as like kind of rolling along in this 130 to 150 range the rest of the way. But you got to hold him for now. I'm also holding Colin Sexton for the moment. I thought that guys coming back would pretty much eliminate Sexton, but so far the Jazz have actually kind of let it let it ride a little bit. Um, I don't get it, but actually, you know what's more? I don't get why they didn't play him at all before all these guys got hurt. That's what really confused me, because Sexton again played 30 minutes. That's despite Jordan Clarkson being back in this last ball game. Kante George is back. Chris Dunn is still starting. Like, the guys are there, and he's still rolling. And it's, I guess, a good thing that we didn't sort of pre-drop 
on Sexton because he's posting pretty good scoring numbers. And he has these holes in his fantasy game that I don't think are ever going away. Like, doesn't get that many defensive stats, doesn't really shoot the three ball all that much. I guess a little bit more these days than before. Um, doesn't rebound or assist all that much. But he's scoring a ton. And you just don't find that type of stuff on the waiver wire. So add him. Keep him added. Hold him. Whatever it requires here. But he healed as a hold. Um, I had him on this list basically with a fear that he might have a bad ball game in his second game off the bench here for Indy. But the minutes have still been there. And the scoring's still been there. And it almost feels like he's more, he's happier coming off the bench. I don't know that that's necessarily true, but he's able to come in and kind of gun a little bit in a way that maybe as a starter, that's not as easy a thing for him to do because you have to defer, make sure Halliburton's doing, he's sort of the first option, and then Halley's trying to get it to everybody. But you bring Heelden off the bench, it's like, look, buddy, when you're in there now, fire away, man. Don't worry about it. And he seems to enjoy that. So hold on, buddy, healed. He's had two games off, two good games off the bench so far. And given that they've been good games, this is probably not a message that I needed to deliver. But I'm doing it anyway and just kind of getting out in front of the fact that he's probably going to have a bad one at some point in the next game or two. And just remember that Dan said hold because he's had a couple of good ones so far. Malik Beasley's a hold. Um, not indefinitely. You know, this is, again, if this is a guy who starts to lose his role or basically starts to cool off more permanently, we'll reassess. His minutes have been down the last two ball games. One of them was because he was bad. The other one was because they played a Brooklyn team that wasn't running actual starters out there for three quarters of the ball game. But he did still hit five threes in that one. The thing that worries me a bit more about Beasley is that the rebounds and assists, which were non-zero, and steals, frankly, which were also non-zero at the beginning of this year, have started to be zeros more often. Uh, rebounds have been able to kind of hold in the in the four range, um, but the steals have really come down. He was over one a game. Now he's back down at .9, which is much closer to kind of where you'd expect for him in 29 minutes of ball game. Hold for now. He's trending down, so again, this is not forever, but at least give it some time. Derek Lively has basically played off the court the last couple of ball games, um, and he's just getting a, a schooling from the NBA, but some of it's been just getting beat up. This one was foul trouble. 5,015 minutes and just got annihilated by Rudy Gobert and Anthony Edwards uh, and Cat, who actually didn't have that great of a ball game, but these guys were just going after him the whole night. He'll be fine. The Mavs don't want to use Dwight Powell for uh, 30 minutes a ball game, even if he was sort of better in this ball game. They got their veteran presence in there and blah, blah, blah. This is still Derek Lively's future in Dallas. He's the guy that needs to be rostered. Don't abandon ship on him just because of two bad ball games. And frankly, I'm hoping that somebody bails on him in one of my leagues so that I can put in a waiver claim on it, the situation, and turn it into something else. Uh, oddly, he's actually being added in fantasy leagues over the last couple of days, presumably still on the heels of that 20 and 10 game back on December 25th on Christmas day, even though his last two have been bad. My guess is that he gets dropped a little bit overnight after I do this show. I, when the hell does Dallas have their next ball game? Dallas plays again on uh, Saturday. They're in golden state. 
Warriors don't have anybody in the front court for him to worry about, so he'll probably bounce back for that one. But hey, what if he has one more bad one? Maybe he starts getting dropped. Maybe we can cash in on him then. We'll see. Malik Monk is a hold for me as well. Um, he's been cooling off. The Kings as a team uh, have been kind of a, a two-horse monster so far. And and so Monk is also not an indefinite hold. Um, he There's a possibility that he ends up falling back into that kind of stream-while-hot group. But I do think some of his issue right now is that he's dealing with a right foot injury that he keeps trying to play through. His numbers have been down the last three or four ball games in a row. His minutes have been down the last four games, including one that he missed against Minnesota. Uh, the assists still look pretty good. No steals, no threes, really. Um, so he just he just doesn't have the lift or the speed right now. I, I feel pretty good about him bouncing back maybe the next time the Kings have kind of a lightening of their schedule, which... Honestly, like this last week, it has kind of been it. Hopefully they can, hopefully he can get right because the Kings schedule gets kind of intense starting next week, which we'll talk about at the end of this show. I think they go 4-4 four, four, back-to-back before a two-gamer. So hopefully Monk can get his legs back underneath him. You got to hold him for now simply because he was so good for so long. And then D'Angelo Russell, because mostly I just don't believe that the Lakers goofball lineup is going to stick. I can't. I, I, it just seems like madness. They've got LeBron and they've got Anthony Davis in that starting five. And we've talked about uh, Torian Prince being solid. But, and yeah, you know, I actually kind of like Rui Hachimura in the starting five instead of Cam Reddish. You get a little more rebounding in there, and that's been a bigger problem for the Lakers than. You know, always having like a long guy on another team's starting scoring guard. Uh, but even still, what the hell are we doing here? Like at some point, D'Lo is going to run the second unit and Reeves is going to move in with the first. It's just a matter of time. So you got to hold on. Or alternatively, D'Lo gets traded. Also a possibility. We've heard him rolled into these Zach Levine rumors. I'm sure that's not the only one that he's being packaged or being sort of considered to be packaged in. Maybe that's the way that D'Lo gets his value back. But either way, you can't abandon ship. Um, it would be a very poor decision to bail on D'Lo. Not because he hasn't been playing poorly, because he has been. And in Roto, you got to keep him on your bench right now while his minutes are at like 15 of all game. Uh, but because we know he's very good offensively, and at some point it's either going to be the Lakers or somebody else is actually going to let him go a little bit. His offense typically outweighs his defense. Not all the time. You know, Denver was too good at picking on him, so that's where he got benched in favor of Dennis Schroeder. But, like, you cannot make the argument during during a regular season, the Lakers are going up against this many teams where it's like, okay, yeah, you know, we got to have more defense out there. Because it's not that. It's rebounding. So, fine, I don't mind the Rui thing. But if your argument is we got to get D'Lo out of there because he's not rebounding enough, well, okay, I mean, that's why you pulled Austin Reeves. At some point... You pull everybody that can actually space the floor around LeBron and Anthony Davis. So that's why I'm holding D'Angelo Russell. Let's keep moving. Here's the guys that I'm kind of scared, either nervous or dropping. Herb Jones. I've, I've. So here's the thing. Um, I didn't draft Herb Jones. I wish I did because he got off to an insane start this year. First six weeks of the season, he was an absolute juggernaut. I didn't draft him. Because I figured with a healthy Pelicans team, he wasn't going to have room to operate. 
I was wrong. Trey Murphy being out proved to be enough wiggle room for Herb Jones to really go nuts. But since Trey's been at full strength, Herb has done nothing. I think he had one good ball game in there and something like eight bad ones. And at this point, like, I get it. Guys get cold, but he is just legitimately doing nothing at all. So, you know, you got it. You got to make a change. Gordon Hayward is a drop for me. He's been a drop for a little while now. He's hurt on top of everything else. So in addition to just sort of generally being not all that good, um, now he's also out for at least a couple of ball games. Just it's not necessary. Um, All the Magic centers are a drop. Wendell Carter Jr. hasn't been good enough. Goga Batadze was fine while he was out. It's been, uh, you got Mo Wagner mixed in there as well. Uh, None of these guys is separating themselves. And when you have a three-headed monster at center, that's bad. (laughs) I, I mean, like, that isn't the most obvious thing I've said in forever. That's just bad. So none of those guys need to be rostered. I didn't think Wendell Carter Jr. needed to be rostered anyway. Um, because I never thought he was really a 12-team, nine-category guy. Uh, and now we're seeing that with the competition he's running into, that's just not necessary. And then Zach Collins is the other one. This is more of a, like, finesse it sort of spot, where uh, for Collins, you've got these games where Wembenyama is either sitting out the back-to-back or on some sort of minutes restriction... And so it feels like there are going to be enough opportunities for him to actually go and get some fantasy value. But at the same time, there are there are way too many spots where he just doesn't really get to play. So for now, I'm holding on Collins. I picked him up when Wembenyama was ruled out uh, for a game late last week. And then almost kind of like accidentally held on because I didn't see that Wemby was back in until it was too late. And Collins still had a good ball game. Uh, And then we got the word coming down the pike that Victor was going to be on some sort of minutes restriction going forward, and he wasn't going to be playing in all the back-to-backs. It's like, okay, well, Roto, I could save Collins on my bench and just deploy him one or two times a week when the situation warrants it. Head-to-head, it's a little bit tougher, but if he's good two out of every four ball games and, like, serviceable in the other two, that's probably enough for him to be on rosters. But I don't know. And that's why he's on the scared, nervous zone, but not quite a drop. Before we get to the watch list, and then, oh boy, do we have an injury replacement board for the ages still. Uh, I want to remind everybody again, I know most of you are going to be watching this one after the fact, because it's 8 o'clock Pacific time on a Thursday night, and that's fine. Those of you watching, listening after the fact, please pause what you're doing right now. Pause the podcast, subscribe. If you're watching the, the YouTube feed, Please find a place to hit a like button. If you're, you find me over on Twitter, at Dan Bespers, go like something I posted there. All of these little things. And there are thousands of you guys. Uh, so there's tons of opportunities to just click one thing. That's really all I'm asking of you. Each time you listen to a show or a tweet storm or whatever, just click one button. It goes so far. Thank you. Here's the watch list. Uh... I, you know, the watch list are not guys that I'm going to go hyper deep on, but worth mentioning at the very least. Jalen Smith, who's been inserted into the Indiana starting lineup, but they've had his minutes pretty well capped out in the mid-20s. Uh, I think he was at like 22 his first game back, 24 and a half this last one in the starting five. 
There's a lot to maybe like about him. He's been shooting the ball extraordinarily well this year, but it just it feels like we need 30 minutes, and I don't know that we're going to get there. I'm not sure his body necessarily can handle it. So watch list on Jalen Smith for now. Uh, Julian Champagny out in San Antonio. He's starting. I don't think he's going to get enough shots in what they're doing. He blocks some shots, which is interesting. I like his his defensive stats out of the sort of wings, you know, small power forward realm. But it just like it feels like you need just a some any kind of usage at all for him to be fantasy relevant. And also, I don't know that he's going to play more than 25, 26 minutes a night most evenings with the Spurs bringing Keldon Johnson off the bench to be sort of your bench gunner. Right now, Vassell, Sohan, Branham, Wemby. Like when all these guys are upright, it just doesn't feel like there's enough there for Champagne to get shots to do stuff. Ayodesumu is on my watch list. It does still kind of feel like the Bulls need one more player to be hurt for him to be consistently useful. Um, you know, he played 33 minutes again on Thursday night. Andre Drummond having fouls in the first half and then Chicago sort of trying out running small at times. That, yes, played some kind of a role. Uh, Kobe White coming crashing down to earth in his field goal percent these days. That's playing a little bit of a role. If you wanted to add Io, you could. I just I don't know how you'd have the stones to play him in a Roto Games Cap format. Head to head, you could probably get away with it. I just, in my opinion, you need Caruso or Demar out or Kobe White. Any one of those three guys being out, and I would fire Dosumo up in every format. But right now, even when he's playing these big minutes, there's no guarantee he's going to get to do enough in them to be consistently fantasy relevant. He is close though. Cody Martin is worth a watch list. I don't uh, I don't think that he's going to be uh, a guy who gets over the hump, mostly because I'm not sure that the Hornets actually trust that his body can handle enough minutes to get over the hump, but, you know, may, that could change, so keep an eye on him. Andrew Wiggins is on the watch list, basically permanently on the chance that he remembers how to play basketball, uh, but it just, like, doesn't seem like that's in the cards. Maybe it will be. I don't know. Just doesn't seem like it. Every time I'm like, oh, maybe Wiggins is waking up, then no. I don't know if has he even strung two half-decent ball games together so far this year. I don't think he has. Peyton Watson, you can watch out in Denver. I don't think that there's going to be enough for him to do in non-blowout scenarios. They, he did enough. Uh, he had a pretty good ball game here against Memphis, so um, that may be a reason to buy. Uh, but this ball game, Denver was kind of trying to rely on the non-main guys where they could. You saw Justin Holiday pick up some minutes. Anyway, here's the thing. I don't want us to be too bashful about this. So if you want to add Peyton Watson, I'm actually okay with it. I've got him on my watch list because I, I still want to see this. I still want to see him actually do enough for multiple games, but he was not shy about taking shots, and that's kind of a good sign, I suppose. So is that enough? Yeah, maybe. You could possibly upgrade him from watch list to injury replacement board if you really wanted to. And then Rui Hachimura is on my watch list because, you know, starting lineup, and even when he's coming off the bench, he's one of the Lakers that's willing to take a bunch of shots. I don't think there's enough to his fantasy game to warrant anything more than a watch list right now, but at the very least, you can put him there, and we'll take it day by day. But again, Peyton Watson right now, of the names on this list, he's the one that you could probably consider upgrading to the following. Oh, that's not right. I did this out of order. 
Uh, Peyton Watson's a guy you can consider upgrading to the injury replacement board. The stream only while warm boards, also known as the SOWW, S-O-W-W's. Bobby Portis, Nas Reed, Jaden Ivey, and Cole Anthony. People are going to kill me for the Jaden Ivey take, but I just don't care because he has these gaps in his fantasy game. He had a huge ball game. Detroit almost beat Boston in overtime. He was great. 22-10 and 10 with three threes. And he shot the ball well. But he turns it over a lot. He misses free throws. Typically, his field goal percent is only okay. And usually, he's not scoring 22 with 10 rebounds. Usually, you get some points... Some steals, and that's kind of it. Fouled out of this one. Uh, but overall, again, very good ball game for Ivy. I don't want to take anything away from him in this Thursday game. And he's had a few good ones kind of blended in here. But unless he just made this big flying leap forward, the fantasy stuff for him typically doesn't... The good doesn't always outweigh the bad. It's close enough right now where you can stream because he's hot. He's shooting the ball well. He's over 50% the last couple of weeks uh, on the season. He's at 45%, uh, or last one week, I think he's over 50%. No, not even that. Uh, no, now with this ball game, I think he is. And, you know, he's like top 60 when he's shooting the ball better. Uh, getting to the foul line has been both good and bad for him. The steals and blocks are super high this last week. There's a lot of unsustainable stuff going on. But again, one thing I've learned, this is sort of like Dan's lesson to Dan, if a guy gets super hot, just because you don't think he's going to be great all the way through the year, that doesn't mean you can't just play him while he's hot. And that's kind of what's going on for Ivy. Not right now for Cole Anthony, but he will at some point probably again get hot. Same story for Nas Reed. Bobby Portis has been pretty warm lately. You roll from there. What I was talking about a moment ago on the Peyton Watson front was, oh my God, the injury replacement board. If you want to put Peyton Watson on the injury board, have at it. Here are the rest of them in a lightning round format. So, buckle up. Andre Drummond for Vooch. Al Horford, anytime a Boston forward or center sits, and he's not rested himself. Karis LeVert when Darius Garland or Donovan Mitchell is out. Right now it's both. Craig Porter Jr., Isaac Okoro, sometimes Dean Wade. Garland, Mobley, Spida, all out at the same time. Kelly Oubre Jr. when Nick Batum and Joel Embiid are out. Paul Reed for Joel Embiid. Kobe White for Zach Levine. Patrick Williams for Zach Levine. Brandon Miller for LaMelo Ball. P.J. Washington for LaMelo and Gordon Hayward out at the same time. Sadiq Bey, who was out for Jalen Johnson. Now he's in for DeAndre Hunter. Nick Richards for Mark Williams. Tim Hardaway Jr., Dante Exum, Derek Jones Jr. all filling in for Kyrie Irving. Grayson Allen for Bradley Beal, who might be back this weekend. Malcolm Brogdon for Shaden Sharp. Jaime Jaquez Jr. for Jimmy Butler, and Duncan Robinson for both Jimmy Butler and Caleb Martin out at the same time. I thought about trying to do that in sort of a classic Ray Finkel, Lois Einhorn, uh, Jim Carrey, Ace Ventura mode. But I wasn't sure I could pull it off. You guys think I could have done it? Is it worth trying? <laughs> Andre Drummond, Al Horford, Karis LeVert, Craig Porter Jr., Isaac Okoro, Dean Wade, Kelly Oubre Jr., Paul Reed, Kobe White, Patrick Williams, Brandon Miller, B.J. Washington, Sadiq Bay, Nick Richard, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dante Exum, Derek Jones Jr., Grayson Allen, Malcolm Brogdon, Jaime Hez Jr., Duncan Robinson, and one hell of a model American. You guys, I don't know how well you guys remember Ace Ventura, but um, that show meant the world, that movie meant the world to me as a kid. Oh, man. All right. That's your week in review. Now is your break point where everybody can take a deep breath and get ready for the week ahead. I'm already tired. Um, 
I do have the uh, streaming grid that I want to throw up, not throw up, that I want to put on the screen for those that are watching with us because I've done a little bit of kind of individual color coding. But the one thing I will say about the week ahead while I'm working on some of this uh, remedial tech stuff going on in the background is that everybody plays three or four. There is not an avoid team for this coming week. Also, it's worth pointing out, because I'm doing this show three days before next week starts, it's pretty much impossible for me to guess what day-to-day or questionable players are actually going to be healthy on Monday. So unfortunately, you're going to have to follow the news on that one. I'm not going to be as uh, useful to you all as perhaps I might normally be. But this is a look right now for those that are watching and those that are listening. Don't worry, we'll talk about it. This is a look at what's going on for next week. There are a lot of options. Again, because everybody's three or four, you can focus on, I mean, like weekly leagues that that becomes sort of less of a thing that you have to think about. Um, Streaming is slightly less important because most teams are going to be relatively evenly matched in games played. Yes, there will be some clubs that just have an outsized number of three-game weeks, and some teams in your league will have an outsized number of four-game weeks. But by and large, the games played discrepancy in your head-to-head matchups should be as small this coming week as any week all season long, with, I guess, the possible exception of in-season tournament week, where you had that sort of overflow and then uh, other stuff beyond that. Um, as far as, you know, looking ahead to whether or not there are days that get a little bit cluttered next week, Monday is an eight gamer next week. That's New Year's Day. Tuesday is six. Wednesday is a big one. That's a 12 gamer. So if you're thinking about a possible overflow, Wednesday is that. Thursday is two. Friday is a big overflow day. Saturday is four. Uh, and Sunday is a nine game day. So Wednesday and Friday of next week, Also, possible overflow days, and that's something that you should be thinking about as you plan ahead. That's January 3rd and January 5th. Try to, if you can, front load or back load your weekly grid. How do you do that? Well, first of all, it depends on whether or not you have any moves at the end of this week that you could use, uh, say, on like a Sunday. If you don't, looking into next week, the Charlotte Hornets go Monday, Tuesday, back-to-back. And that is it. They are the only team that has a strong Monday-Tuesday schedule. There are plenty of teams that go four games to start the week in the first six days. Those are probably easier ones to focus on if you want to stream multiple slots. Those teams are the Houston Rockets, the Indiana Pacers, the Milwaukee Bucks, the New York Knicks, and the Utah Jazz. All of these teams, by the way, with reasonable fringy streaming options that you would then likely hold all the way through Saturday. If you'd prefer to take someone that you had this week into a game on Monday and then make some adjustments on Tuesday, there are also a handful of teams that go four games in six days starting on January 2nd and running through the 7th, Tuesday through Sunday of next week. The Brooklyn Nets, who had a good schedule this week but then sat everybody for one of those games, womp womp, the Golden State Warriors, the Memphis Grizzlies, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Orlando Magic and the Sacramento Kings all go four games Tuesday through Sunday. These are really nice ways for you to use one or two moves and turn a roster slot into a five-gamer, basically, meaning if you picked up somebody that goes on Monday, 
and goes four times the first six days of the week. You shouldn't have to use another roster move on that slot until all the way until Sunday, which, again, you could pick up somebody that goes Sunday. Uh, the Clippers go Sunday-Monday. So do the Phoenix Suns at the end of next week. Not this week. I'm talking about the end of next week. So if you wanted to sort of roll into the next one, that would be a way to do it. If you are only streaming one roster slot next week, which, again, I think most of us should be aiming for two, there is a way to kind of meander through the week and maximize games played. Charlotte Hornets would be your move on Monday for their back-to-back. The Milwaukee Bucks go Wednesday-Thursday on a back-to-back. You actually have some choices for Friday-Saturday. Boston is Friday-Saturday back-to-back. Houston, Indiana, the Knicks, the Sixers, and the Jazz. Oh, and the Wizards are all back-to-back Friday-Saturday. And then, as we mentioned, the Clippers would be your team that finishes up next week, January 7th, and then the first day, January 8th. So those would be your four moves, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, to turn one roster slot into a seven-game week and also start the following week with a game on Monday. Personally, I have four moves in a Yahoo League. I prefer to stream number of moves per week that you have, for me, again, it's four. For you, it might be three or five or six or whatever, divided by two. So if I have a maximum number of moves of four in my Yahoo League, I'm going to stream at least two roster slots. In the playoffs, I stream N plus, or, you know, four divided by two, N divided by two plus one. I'll stream th- three roster slots, and I'm looking six to nine days of how long I can hold on to a guy. All long streams at that point, because that also allows me to have emergency moves to drop somebody who gets hurt during the postseason. That's not a thing you're going to do during the regular year, because you want to make sure that you have your best players for, you know, X number, another 8 to 11 weeks or whatever following today. So you can't make those same, you know, cutthroaty moves. That's why typically two roster slots is enough. So if you're going to roll that way, like I said, uh, the teams that start the week with a good schedule for six days, uh, Houston, Indiana, Milwaukee, and I think Utah was the other one. And of all of those teams, Milwaukee actually has the slight edge. The Knicks also, by the way, four games in six days to start the week. Milwaukee is three games in four nights to start the week. So if you really wanted to, you could move off of a buck on Friday, pick up somebody that has two games the rest of the week. Let's say that maybe you don't like the streamer you're using on the Bucks, like if it's campaign and they're not doing anything for you. Jump to somebody who plays twice Friday between Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, two out of those three days. That's like a solid half of the NBA, so you have a lot of choices and go from there. Also, a reason to look at Milwaukee is because they don't play on Friday. So you get those four games the first six days. Wednesday is your overflow day, but three of those four games, you're actually making sure that you add. And that's the last thing I want to talk about on this big like double freakout show is how do you avoid the uh the high pro the 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 overflow days Wednesday and Friday well you got to look to see who plays on the other days and who has multiple games on the other days so which teams don't play on Wednesday and Friday it's, it's a pretty short list mind you uh Charlotte doesn't play on Wednesday they go Monday Tuesday but then they also go on Friday so are you really getting three games out of them next week? Is there any reason at all to hang on to a Hornet after Tuesday? The answer is a pretty resounding no. 
if you're streaming a roster slot, you almost have to assume that whatever games you're getting out of that slot on Wednesday and Friday don't even really count. Sure, some of you got either lucky or very unlucky. I guess it would be lucky that you don't have that many guys that you that you really are only at like nine or ten players going on Wednesday and Friday. That's really fortunate. You're going to be a team that has a big games advantage. You are the rarity. You are the exception and not the rule next week. So scroll through the board, figure out who is not going Wednesday, Friday, which is like basically nobody. I think every team in the NBA plays either of those days with the exception of San Antonio. I think they're the only team in the NBA that doesn't play either Wednesday or Friday next week. They go Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. So yeah, it's only a three-game week, but there's no overflow. Conversely, you might have a player on Toronto that goes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. They play four games, but you might only be able to use their Raptor for two of them. So a Spur might actually add a game to your ledger next week. You can count pretty much on, well, not one hand. I guess it's slightly more than one hand. The teams that don't play on both of those days, even. So San Antonio goes on neither of them. Philly goes on one out of two. Milwaukee goes on one out of two. We just talked about them a moment ago. Golden State goes one out of two. Denver goes one out of two. Charlotte goes one out of two. And Boston goes one out of two. But Boston's only a three-game week, so one of their three is wiped out by that. Charlotte's only a three-game week, so one of their three gets wiped out by it. Denver's a four-game week, so they have a pretty good schedule because three of their four are not on those chunky days. Same with Golden State. Great team to pick up on Tuesday because uh, three of their four games Tuesday through Sunday are not on overflow days. And who the hell else? I already forgot who I was talking about. Milwaukee, we talked about. They're a pretty good one. Um, Philly, only a two-gamer if you can't use your Philadelphia streamer on Friday. San Antonio, they're the best of the bunch starting on Tuesday because you get three games the rest of the week and none of those three is on an overflow day. That matches up, by the way, with these teams that have four games Tuesday through Sunday when they have at least one, maybe two. So I talked about Sacramento having a pretty good schedule Tuesday through Sunday, but if you're on overflow mode, it'd actually be better to go San Antonio because you could get all three of your games in there, where with Sacramento, you might only be able to use two. So this is something you need to look ahead to before you look at your lineup for next week, before you make a single move thinking about next week in mind, go see what your Wednesday and Friday looks like and go think about what that would look like depending on which players you turn into streamer slots as well. I will do my best to get some kind of thoughts about this out on social media. I make no promises about the likelihood of that happening. Again, I'm going to be out of town. I'm not going to be in a place with fantastic internet service. It should have some. I've been told that there's Wi-Fi at the Airbnb. We'll see how reliable it is. Every winter, I take a trip someplace for two to three days. And uh, so far, I think like 75% of the time, we've had a power outage at some point in there. So uh, hopefully that holds up a little bit better. I will, of course, be checking scores. We'll have some quick hits mixed in there. We will probably not have tweet storms Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We will probably have those back on Monday. I talked as fast as I could. My voice is shot. Thank you all for watching this double uh, bonus episode all mushed together into a 45-minute lightning round. Let me close out this thing in the background so you guys can see my sweaty face. 
I am at Dan Vespers. Please do find me over on social. Again, I know everybody's going to be listening or watching after the fact. Uh, one of the things that I tried to throw up there at the very beginning of the show that I'm going to throw up again on the screen. I don't know why I keep saying the words throw up in rapid succession. That's bad, Dan. Do a better job. Uh, it's not the injury replacement board, but scrolling all the way back to page one. Uh, at Dan Vespers, at Ethos Fantasy BK. The Discord is in the uh, show description along with all of our partners, including Manscaped, ExpressVPN. Those guys have been our longest-term ones. They're wonderful. Manscaped code is ethos20. ExpressVPN.com slash hoopball is actually the link over there. Uh, and then I think you guys have been hearing ads for Drizzly running in the background. Also, have a fantastic weekend, everybody. And because I know for a fact I will not talk to you until after it happens, Happy New Year. Thanks for a magical 2023, and cheers, this glass that contains squirt grapefruit-flavored soda. Cheers to all of us for a happy, healthy new year. I am Dan Vasperis. We'll see y'all in 2024. Can I clink it on my microphone? Why not? <laughs> it didn't work. So long, everybody. We'll see you soon. <laughs>